Oh man, aren't you glad you're alive? Some people don't are not glad because they're they're in a lot of trouble. Uh, they're under a lot of pressure, and uh, I'm I'm asking the Lord to um, to help us today. You, we've been on this track for I I've, I've lost track of how many weeks? Five six weeks? Five six weeks. We've been on this same track and I've not been able to let it go. So I'm not gonna let it go. Amen. Uh, but I want you to pray for those. Uh, I know we've been praying and standing, but uh, take the hand of those that are next to you because we are in transition right now, Metro. We are sitting right now. Um, I just want to make that declaration. We are in number the smallest we're, we're gonna, ever going to be. Um, now, the reason why I'm, I'm saying this is because there, there are others if everyone that the Lord spoke to today obeyed him in coming here, we, we would not have the room. Um, and it's important that one of the things that this house does is grow again, and we're already growing. But for those of us who are consistent and have been coming, God is preparing you. He's preparing you for greater responsibility. Will the church say amen? So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word today. Make it so crystal clear in our hearts, our minds. Thank you for helping me to say it the way you've helped me to see it. Uh, and I'll give you praise and glory, Lord. I give you praise and thanks for every person that receives and they get it and it changes their lives. I give you this thanks and praise right now, and I ask you this request. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Uh, would you help us on the screen? Um, I'm sure, is that Ken back there? Okay. Say it again. Yes. Good to see you. Uh, let's put up our, our, our request, our prayer. I want you to pray this prayer with me. We'll do more of praying together from the screen. If you can see the screen, can you see the screen if you can? Good. Thanks, Ken. That looks, I think we can read that. Can we do this together? We're almost, I bet you've almost memorized it now, huh? This is a prayer. What if God answered your prayer? What if God answered this prayer for you? What do you think would happen to your life if God, if God showed you, if God showed you what you're praying right now? It would change your life. Not only would it change your life, it would change the lives of those around you. So let's ask him. We would be still and know that you are God, King God, supreme in your authority, the ruling, reigning monarch of this universe, timeless in your existence, ingenious in your creativity, and with totality of ownership. We stand in awe of you as we contemplate your awesome holiness, your majestic splendor, your blazing glory, your limitless power, and unquestionable sovereignty. We worship you for your flawless character, your infinite knowledge and wisdom, your absolute justice, your unswerving faithfulness and unending mercy, matchless grace and terrible wrath against sin. We bow our hearts and we bend our knees before you 
as we acknowledge your dazzling beauty, your fascinating personality, your incomprehensible humility, your unsearchable understanding, and your unfathomable love. We acknowledge that our greatest need is to have a far greater revelation of what you are really like. We ask you to meet that need. We also join with Moses and pray. Teach us your ways that we may know you and find favor in your sight. Thank you that you will answer these sincere requests in Jesus' name. Amen. And the house of God said, Amen. You may be seated. The greatest thing that happens to us is when God reveals himself to us. Are you there, saints? Look at Proverbs chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And this is a, this is a and as we bring this series to a, to, a, to a close, the subject will keep through the year, but the series we want to bring it to a close by the grace of God next week, I think. <laughs> Amen. Uh, have you got Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 7? Proverbs are really incredible. Solomon's mom, uh, as history goes, Solomon's mom uh, helped Solomon. And this writing of the Proverbs was one for every day. If, you've, if you're not familiar with that, or if you, you might be even new to the faith or new to the scripture, there's 31 Proverbs. And I, I want to encourage you to include it in your personal devotion. Um, actually, these words have saved our lives. Amen. And, uh, and, and uh, Solomon's mom would have, have Solomon in these once every day. And God honored Solomon and granted him great and awesome gifts. Gave him great authority because of what he continually read and, and rehearsed before the Lord. But Proverbs chapter 2 verses 1 through 7 says this. My son, if you will give, if you will receive my sayings, if you will treasure my commandments within you and make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, if you cry for discernment, lift up your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. Mm. For the fear of the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the righteous. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity. And the church said, Amen. This is a beginning part of We've been talking about this issue of the fear of the Lord. It's all through the scripture. I want you to discover it so that as you're reading and it comes out, your understanding becomes fruitful and you get it. You say, Oh Lord, I see that. Because when you when when that happens, the Lord will teach you and it will result in powerful things in your life. I'll rehearse some of that with you today. 
So how do you get the fear of the Lord? Um, I'll come back to that in a minute. I want you to, I want you to, uh, to check out, check this out with me. Malachi chapter, let's try this. No, let's don't do that one. Too many of them. Let's do this one. All right, Ecclesiastes. Look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12. Ecclesiastes, some people don't read Ecclesiastes because they don't understand what it's about. It's about Solomon, the same one who had that word in his heart every day. When he followed it, God, God blessed him so much until kings of the other nations would come just to check out his blessings. It wasn't just the accumulation of wisdom. I mean, it wasn't just the accumulation of money. He was also extremely wise. He could, in architecture, in science, in personal relationships, he was amazing. And then Solomon, Solomon decided to do something different. He, he went against what he'd been trained all of his life and turned and went another way. Elder um, you, how many wives? Tim, are you there? Are you there? How many wives does Solomon have? 250? 250? Two? Five, zero? And how many, and then that's the wives. And then he had, you know what a concubine is? That's like a girl on the side. How many side chicks he have? I'm sorry, I can't hear you. 700? What was that boy eating? It's like the Lord saying there's no end. There's no end to the flesh. There's no end to it. He turned and his life changed. He went a totally different direction. And it just created havoc in his life. And when he comes to himself, I mean, while he's in the middle of it, have you ever been in the middle of sin? Have you ever been in the middle of it? You know it's wrong, but it's so good. I'm sorry, I can't get nobody to talk to me today. Has anyone ever been there? You know in your mind, that's not right, but you're in it, right? And, 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 and he, that was the way it was with Solomon. And then finally, he, he, he like, like his father David, he comes to himself by the prophets and the word of the Lord. And he turns and he, we get the book Ecclesiastes in the middle of the turn. In other words, his life seems fruitless. All he accumulated, all the power and glory that God gave him, meant nothing. The accumulation of material goods, your accumulation of financial freedom. Uh, you move into the place where you don't have to worry about bills because they're already taken care of. You have several choices of cars you can drive. 
You don't have an expense account. You can spend money. So whatever you see, you can get. That's Solomon. He could get things special ordered. But the accumulation of all that he had, so much soul and tell them, she, but she came to check it out. See, you know, I heard about you. And when she saw what she saw, she said, boy, they ain't even told me to have. Oh, it messed her up. So I'm not talking about or against God giving you increase. But I do want to give you a heads up. There's no amount of increase that can take the place of God and his peace in your life. And Solomon, he, he, he discovers it the hard way. He had everything. And it, nothing would satisfy him. And when he makes a turn, he writes the book Ecclesiastes. That's why when you read it, it sounds negative on one side because it's like everything is futile, futile, futile means nothing, nothing. What he's saying is no matter what I did, no matter what I achieved, without God, this is what you get. My sons, when they were rising in the industry, in the music industry, entertainment industry, they had an opportunity to back up popular musicians. In fact, uh, it was both Christopher and Matthew that were in her band. How many te television shows? Jay Leno, Oprah, Regis and Kelly, traveled the world, Europe, Africa, Australia, living a life. They called us, and here's what they said. Mom, they used to talk to her. They don't know I hear every word because I'm always right there. Mom, we have seen the top, and we don't like what we see. No matter what you accomplish, no matter what you, no matter what you break through, no matter how you are able to live the perfect life you are looking for, without him, without his presence, without his peace, and without what I'm about to tell you today, it's futile. And Solomon spends Ecclesiastes. When you read Ecclesiastes, read it from the standpoint, oh my God, he's telling us what it's like to live a life without him. And here's what he says. Are you in Ecclesiastes? Chapter 12, go there. Ecclesiastes 12, and, and then he sums everything up. Solomon says, okay, this is the conclusion of the matter. When all has been heard, here's the end of the matter. And this is what he says. Fear God and keep his commandments. 
For this is the whole duty of man. Let me read it to you from the Amplified. The full original purpose of his creation. The object of God's providence. The root of character. The foundation of all happiness. And the adjustment to all inharmonious circumstances and conditions under the sun. And the whole duty for every man. The English Standard Version says, this is the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment. With every secret thing, whether good or evil. It's kind of amazing because he says, you mean to tell me that some of our whole duty is to fear the Lord? That would mean maybe we should understand what that is and ask God for it. That's maybe why Maybe what? Maybe, maybe that's why in, in the Psalms it says if you search for her, talking about the fear of the Lord with your whole heart, and ask the Lord and cry out for her, that God will grant it to you. You don't have the fear of God just because you want it. God has to grant it to you. Next week, I hope I can finish it up. The fear of the Lord, I'll give you the scripture later. The fear of the Lord is God's treasure. Literally is what it says. The fear of the Lord is God's treasure. He has to grant that to you. Not everybody walking with it. Not everybody has it. But I do want to tell you right now, for the body of Christ, in these days and the days we're going to face, you're going to need it. As I've been talking about this, maybe you've been weighing in your heart, how much of this do I have in my heart? The fear of the Lord is not to shirk away from God. The fear of the God, the fear of the Lord actually draws you to God. So it's not fleshly fear, but the fear of the Lord is deep reverential respect for God. So deep that it changes us within. The fear of the Lord is like what happened to Moses. He saw the burning bush and he came closer. He was intrigued. The bush is on fire, but it's not consumed. He comes close and God says, take your shoes off. Because holiness, which is God's character, holiness is attached to the fear of God. How many of you grew up in the holiness church? Raise your hand if you grew up in the holiness church. Okay, good. Well, the holiness church that we were associated with, you know, that was like, you know, the women didn't wear open-toed shoes, and they didn't let their armpits show, and, uh, and they made sure that their dresses were down below their knees. They had no fingernail polish, no lipstick, no makeup. They never didn't wear pants. Lord, have mercy. And a host of other things. How many of you came from that holiness church? Raise your hand if I can see you out there so I can see. Use, use, use those. Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. We know we, we, I, I said, well, okay, well, two or three of you. Okay. Whew. But that's not the fear of God. 
That's the fear of man. So when the Lord talks about this in the scripture, the fear of the Lord is to, number one, is to hate sin. The biggest challenge we have right now today is that we don't hate it. Actually, we love it. That's why we won't leave it. The fear of God is to hate injustice. The fear of God is to depart from evil in every sense. I don't want it in my mind. I don't want evil in my speech. I don't want evil in my actions. It's to refrain from speaking deceitfully. It will not say or put on an appearance that is untrue. The, the fear of the Lord causes you to be genuine. The fear of the Lord keeps our outward behavior congruent with our inward thoughts, our motives and our beliefs. To fear God is to walk in true humility before God and before men. The fear of the Lord is to give him praise and adoration and thanksgiving and worship that he deserves. The fear of God is to give him all that belongs to him. The fear of God is to tremble before him in wonder and awe. The fear of God is to give his word, is to give his word and his presence our full attention. To fear God is to obey him. To fear God is to carry out his will no matter what the cost. It's radical obedience to what he says. And when we obey God, to fear God means when I obey him, when I do what he, excuse me, has God ever told you to do something? Has the Lord ever spoken to you in your heart to say, do this? Raise your hand if God has ever talked to you to do something. Now, you know what's, what, what I shudder about is believers that don't never hear God speak to them. When you have the fear of the Lord in your heart, he, 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 he wants to give you a command because the command, he knows his command, you will honor it and you will do it no matter what. Even if it's uncomfortable, you will do it even if it doesn't make sense. You'll do it even though you're criticized because the fear of God, the fear of, the fear of God delivers you from the fear of men. It's not boastful or pride or arrogance. It's not that. It's tender, heartfelt, willing obedience to God. And it's immediate when God, by the way, you know the fear of the Lord is working in your heart by measuring the time frame from the first time he told you, tell you how long it took you to do it. I didn't have much of that when I first started working with the Lord because he already he told me what to do. He told me, he, he, he made it clear to me, I know you want to do this and when you do that, no, you, he said, you are going to preach the gospel. And I, it, you know what? I just went the opposite direction. Don't be laughing. Most of you in here are the same way. 
Two weeks ago, I asked you, how many of you have a call of God on your life and you know you have a call of God on your life? You may not have it defined yet. You may not have it uh, clear yet, but you know God's hands on you for a specific purpose. You know there is, you have been solicited for his service. In other words, you know that God has his hand on you to do something for him. And you know it. By the way, check this out. How many of you, you know that's true? Stand up right now. You know you got a call of God on your life. You know it. Look, look around. Look around. The greatest privilege of your life is for God to speak to you and you to know what he says and then you to do it. And when you have that, it's called the fear of the Lord. The greatest excitement of your life is to know that God calls you to do and to be. And you do it. Now, of you that are standing, uh, remain standing if you are a firstborn in your family. And if you're firstborn and you've been sitting, stand up please. If you're firstborn in your family, stand up, please. This, this, this absolute, I got on the camera, I got them on the equipment back there. Anybody standing up back there? John, are you firstborn? Okay. Mark, are you firstborn? That's right, you have a brother for you. That's right. It is amazing to me. And, and this, God has done this to us for all the years. But firstborn folks in our, in our by the way, I'm a firstborn son. It's an amazing thing. Do you know that God does not make mistakes? You know what it ought to put the fear of God in your, in your life? That you're in a, a fellowship, a, 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 you're in a church family that is full of firstborn. Do you know? Did you know that leadership, by the way, don't listen to me. Tell your neighbors, did you know, did you, know you were called to leadership? Did you know that? I told you last week, they, you and the kids, your mom and daddy, they practiced on you. Amen. That's why y'all have a bump on the side of you. They dropped you on your head, everything, you know. Hmm? Yeah, said, Fred, he's a little off because of it. And your, your sister will, she'll, uh, she'll, uh, she'll validate that. Amen. I'm speaking this way to you because, you may be seated because, God is interested in releasing you in the work he's called you to do. When you have the fear of the Lord, it causes you to abstain from, this was a good, this, you, you know God's fear is working in you when you stop complaining and murmuring and grumbling. It changes your speech. You don't let anything come out of your mouth, just anything. And those of you that, that are dealing with the whole issue of profanity, you, 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 the, when the fear of the Lord starts working in you, then all of a sudden your head begins to hear what's going on inside. You say, Lord, I need you to change that. When the fear of the Lord is working in your life, it, it comes out in your speech. When the fear of God is in your heart, it, it, it makes a difference who you obey. You honor his authority. 
not only his personal authority, which is overall, but you also honor authority that he has placed over you. If you have to fear the Lord in your, in your heart, you don't cuss out your boss, even though you feel like you want to. And you don't do it under your breath. How many of you did so to your parents and you thought you were thinking it in your heart, but your mouth said it out loud and you experienced the wrath? Oh, raise your hand if you experienced the wrath of disrespect. That's why some of y'all, your lips, your lips are so big today. Amen. You stop complaining, murmuring, and grumbling. You begin to, all of a sudden, respect and honor comes from you. You know how to submit to authority. One of the greatest challenges today is, is a lack of submission to authority. And people have confused submission with, they equate it to inferior, being inferior. One of the greatest problems we're dealing with today is an identity crisis. When you have the fear of God, you begin to identify with God. And when you start identifying with God, then it, it, it clears up everything about you. How many of you know people who are in identity crises today? One teacher told me, he said, well, it's a rough day today. I said, what happened? She said, well, the girl came in there and she had a cat uniform on and she decided to identify as a cat. And this is a real story. She had, she had a cat uniform on and it had a tail, you know, one of those uh, <laughs> Velcro tails. And, and, and the girl came, had a, little, had a little, like a little pot and said, teacher, meow. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I want to use my, I want to use my cat. I want to go to the potty. She said, what? She's, she, she's cat until she wants to eliminate like a cat. She had a litter box. She had a litter box. She bought a litter box with her. The identity crisis that we're going through as a nation is unbelievable. And people, uh, they, when you have the fear of God, it cuts through emotions. When you fear the Lord, it cuts through all your emotions. And you quit identifying yourself by the way you feel. Some of you actually came from parents who made clear who you were. Some of us are old enough to remember when that, that, was not a, that was not a challenge as to whether or not you were male or female. When you have the fear of God working in your heart, your identity comes from God. And obviously your parents play a huge part in that. 
And for those who are having difficulty with it and have mixed it up, I want to say to you that if you will ask the Lord for the fear of the Lord, I promise you it will change the way you truly see yourself. will deliver you from a lie and from deception and from calling yourself what you are not. It's amazing to me whenever I talk about this, it gets real slippery in here. I, I, I refer back to Solomon because Solomon really, you know, he, he, his life by the way, if you want to do a little study, his daddy was David. His dad was David. You know, David, the one who committed not only adultery but murder. And God forgave him because, because David had the fear of God in his heart. So when the prophet came to David and said to him, you are the man, it smote him. And David, if you look at the text, it's like he falls to the ground. And he just, is, he just understands, I'm a dead man. And the prophet said to him, you will not die because of his broken heart when he realized. And by the way, the fear of God puts your sin in your face so that your heart is broken over it. That you really loathe it. You hate what? what you did and what it cost, the pain it caused others. And David's on the ground and he's, he's in, his, in his pain of realization of what he's done. You're going to take one of your chief officers, you're going to take his wife, impregnate her, then try to cover up. When David faced what he had done, by the way, one of the, one of the things the fear of God does is it reminds you of how horrible your flesh is. Are you, are you breathing? How many of you could raise your hand and say, man, you know, if I do everything that I want to do, ooh-wee, ooh-wee. David, uh, when, he, when, he, when, he, when he realized what he'd done, he just breaks him in two. And the prophet sees his reaction to the truth. And, and by the way, don't, don't, don't take for granted how the prophet did it because he, he came and told David a story. And David was a righteous man, had righteousness in him. But his righteousness didn't override his flesh. Because he didn't have the fear of God to the point he needed it. So when his flesh took control, it overrode the righteousness in him. And when the prophet said, man, this woman, this guy, he, he went and got this one. He said, I want your feet. I, I can't have your feet. He said, okay. Then he killed him and took all his sheep. David said, who is that guy? Who is that guy? His indignation rose up. He was about to grab his sword. Who is he? And, and the prophet said, you. And he saw it. Oh, thank God he saw it. Because some people are in trouble because they don't even see their sin. 
I'm scared right now for the body of Christ that does not see, does not see what God is really saying. And when he saw it, oh, it was the grace of God that he saw it. And when he saw his sin, he is undone. I'm not, that's one of the words the Bible uses to describe what happens when you come into the presence of Almighty God or the Word of God that's made alive to you. You're undone. Like, Lord, I have no way out. I did this. I'm guilty. Falling to the ground, the prophet said, you will not die. By the way, I'm convinced the only reason why I didn't die because the word of God coming to the prophet said he because otherwise the, the, the previous word that it judges he would have been dead God already told kings if you're going to be king you don't mess with the girls y'all breathing don't mess with the gold and don't touch the glory David knew it but again there wasn't enough, enough of the fear of God in his heart to override his flesh so in, in, a, in, a, in a season when kings go out to war instead he was, he was, being, he was having happy time are you guys talking to me the fear of the Lord is so incredible it's, that it's God's treasure I mean, when, when, you, when you receive this so many guarantees Come, come alive in your life. Some of you want to move right now from where you are to where you desire to be, but the only thing keeping you from that is a lack of the fear of the Lord. But here's what I want you to say. The prophet said, David, you will not die, but violence will stay in your household. You release something generational. Every generation has to deal with that thing in their life. And so do you. You belong to God. You're, his, you're God's treasure. You still got to deal with that which has come down to you generationally. And some of you know what it is. Because you've faced it. And the only way out is to be baptized in the fear of the Lord. So you get to Solomon. And what David did once, y'all not talking to me. 700, what? How many you have? Ooh-wee. I mean, they didn't have they didn't even have Viagra in those days. And he had such, and Solomon suffered because of it. By the time you get to, by the time you get to the scripture we read today, Ecclesiastes, he said, I'm gonna show you what is the whole duty of man. Let me make it clear for you. If you want to sum it up, I'll show you what it is. I, I, if, you want, if you want to put it in a nutshell, I'll show you the original purpose for his creation. 
I'll show you the object of his providence. Let me tell you what is the root of character. What's the foundation of all happiness? What is the adjustment? How do you adjust? How do you get through all inharmonious circumstances and conditions? This is the whole duty. It's kind of heavy to read that scripture that way. You think about it. What you learned there, yeah, the whole duty. The whole duty? Yeah. Your whole duty. You mean through marriage? Yeah. As a son? Yeah. As a brother? Yeah. As a father? Yeah. As a mom? Yes. As a family member? Yes. As a church member? The whole duty. As a, as a, as a job boss? As, as an employee? The whole duty of man is to fear God. Man, I got to get this. I'm like that mama skunk. I had all the little baby skunks filed behind her. And they was in the country and they was going down the road. <laughs> they smelled something. It was a paper mill down the road. It was a paper mill down the road. And the wind was blowing and the paper mill, the smell of a paper mill got to the mama. And she said, ooh, I got to get me some of that. That's what I feel about the fear of the Lord. I'm sorry you don't understand. You never had no smell, no paper mill, so you don't know. I'm sorry you don't understand what I'm talking about. That's all right. I understand anyway. If you ever smell a paper mill, you know it smells like a skunk. It's really bad. But the mama said, she said ooh-wee. I feel like that about the fear of the Lord. I said, Lord, I need you. I need this. I need me some of that. Take you a long way. Keep you through some very tough situations. Promote you to what you've been praying for will allow you to be held in place while the glory of riches and increase tempts you to do something else. The fear of the Lord holds you. Somebody said, well, I want, man, I want, I want. I told you last week, if somebody dropped that five million in your account right now, we wouldn't see you for 24 months. Because you figure out, oh, I'm out of here. Cold too? Oh, no. I get my own plane. Hey, well, maybe not your own plane, but you get your first class ticket and you, and you be in another part of the world. Talking about land back in Hawaii tomorrow. Oh yes. Oh, the, the blessings of the Lord is so wonderful. Hallelujah. <laughs> because when you have the fear of the Lord, see, it, it changes your perspective. It changes the way you think. I like to say it's the number one need right now in God's church. And I'd like to declare that before we go through that terribly uh, dangerous winter season in this nation, that the one thing you need to get your hands on is the fear of the Lord. You, you need that so that, so, so that when God takes you through and is promoting you the whole way, you won't, be, you, won't, you won't yield to the temptation to do something crazy. Okay. So yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty potent. 
So go to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12 is an amazing, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews itself is just, a, it's amazing to me. So Tim, you like Hebrews too, huh? Yeah. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Hebrews. Some of you say, ooh, no, it's just too deep. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 12 is, is, is quite amazing. So I want to give you this. Uh, <laughs> I, I, we don't have the time, but look at verse 28. The Apostle Paul is writing, it is, it, is a, it is almost as a prophecy, particularly for our days. Okay, I will do that. Look at verse 25. See to it that you do not refuse him who's speaking. For if those did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we turn away from him who warns from heaven. Whose voice and his voice shook the earth. It shook it then, but now he's promised, saying, yet once more, I will shake not only the earth, but I'm going to shake heaven too. This refers back to Exodus when the children of Israel had come out of Egypt, come out of that slave life, that negative self-image life. And God said, bring them to this mountain to worship me. God claimed them as his people and wanted to reveal himself to them that he's the one that empowered Moses to bring them out of their slavery. I think I rehearsed this up three or four weeks ago. I was talking about this. And Moses said, hey, God's going to speak to all of us. He said, but, but you've, never, you've, never, you've never seen or heard God. And, and so I want you to take off all your jewelry and I want you to dress this way. See, he wanted them to act like they were in the presence of the one who created them. And the Bible says a, a, a dark cloud came down over the mountain with, with flashing like dead thunder thunder and lightning flashing out of this dark cloud it came and fire came down over the mountain and the people and the and and the earth literally was shaken anybody ever been in an earthquake if you've ever been not not some of you if you've ever been in an earthquake you know what you'll find out whether you love god or not amen no, no, if, if you, it's, I grew up in California, and in California, it was a common have earthquakes. And you know, you've been laying in your bed, and all of a sudden, the bed starts doing like this. And you ain't doing it. <laughs> and you know, your bookshelf, people falling off the bookshelves. And, and if it's one of them quick ones, like <laughs> tremors like this. <laughs> oh, we're going to find out if you love God or not. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and an earthquake will shake you up because you can't do anything. 
you can't run, and you can't hide. The whole earth was shaken so that the people go, ah! and they're afraid of God. See, they're fleshly fear. Y'all there? So much so, and they said, no, is it Moses? Moses, I tell you what, you go talk to God, and we'll just chill here. You talk to God, we don't want to hear. God was trying to have a relationship with them. It's like some church people that God's trying to, to deal with your personal life. And so what he starts doing is shaking up the mess in your life. Because he wants to talk to you. He wants a relationship with you. They said, no, Moses, you go do it. You talk to God and then come tell us what he says. And that was convenient for them because if they, if, they're, if, if they depended on Moses to hear God and not themselves, then they could shirk off what Moses said, oh, that's just Moses. It's not much different in the church when, 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 the, when, when your attitude is, well, the only time I can really hear from, hear from God is when the preacher, and if the preacher messes up or if he's imperfect, then I can just negate what God says. But let me tell you when, what, 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 what's awesome. When God said, no, I'm going to talk to you. And so that when you come, I'm going to confirm what I said to the one preaching. But I've already talked to you because you can hear my, you hear, you hear my voice. That's a whole different ballgame. By the way, it says in Hebrews right here, it says his voice then shook the earth. But I promise you yet once more, I'm not going to only shake the earth, but I'm going to shake the heavens. And this expression, yet once more, denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. The first time I read this uh, was in 1970. The first time I read this scripture was 1970. And it, it, it moved me because my life was, was, had been through an incredible shaking. And God was, was getting my attention. This was part of my call to do what he called me to do. And I want to say this to you because if, if you're in a situation right now, you love God, you know God's in your life, but things are crazy like a shaking. God does that so that everything that he's done just remains. Some of you have, some of you have had relationships fall apart. Some of you have you've had employment fall away. Some of you had business that you thought was going to, and it didn't. I, I, I like to think that this, this shaking started about 2020, 2021, and then he, he used COVID. <laughs> he used COVID to really shake you up. And you have to evaluate your whole life. So, so, you, 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 some of you have come through that. Others of you are still in it right now. 
And the things that you've depended on were, were stable and constant are no longer stable and no longer constant. And when, when that happens in your life, and it, it, it happens in everybody's life, when it happens in your life, you, this scripture can help you. And one reason why God shakes it all up and tears it all down because whatever remains, that's what he does. Whatever fell, that's what somebody else did. Whatever blew up, whatever disintegrated, well, that's, that's usually it's because of the flesh, not because of what God was doing. My wife and I just recently went through some situations and relationships. It's amazing to me. And I, I'm, I thought we were good, and, and, uh, and I turn around, and like, they're like, yeah! <laughs> and she said, I said, honey, is it bad breath? <gasps> what is it? You know? <laughs> No, there's just some things that God wants to remove out of your life. And some of you are going through it, have been through it just recently. God moves stuff out of your life for a reason. So that whatever he's doing, whatever remains, is him. Some of you don't need to be mad with God because you've been going through this earthquake in your life. You don't need to give up on following God because stuff is falling apart. He goes on and he says, I've done this, this expression once more and again. When he said, I, I, I shook it then, now I'm going to shake it now. Once more again denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of created things so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain I know I know uh, our houses of God I know talking with the pastors they're talking about man but what is going on I can't believe it people's like it I want to tell you you ought to thank God just pull it together and just thank him that it's all crumbling particularly when you can't do anything about it just thank him thank him thank him because he knows what will not hold up in the season we're about to go through. And whatever remains, you want to hold on to that. In fact, the Lord spoke to us recently, strengthen every relationship that he gave us. And turn loose the relationships that he did not give us. Some of us in the body of Christ have some relationships we're attached to those relationships. I'm not talking about relationships that you want to win to Christ. I'm talking about relationships that you've already led in your life and they're influencing your life and they're not righteous. They're not a righteous relationship. They have an ill effect on your life. It's not a good influence. When the fear of God is in your heart, you begin to realize, oh my God, you know, if I want what God wants, I got to be what he wants me to be. And he says, he says uh, once more and again, it denotes the removing, the removing of those things. Some things God is removing from your life. <sighs> when God does this, it's almost like, uh, well, the picture I get in my mind is you're in such a shaking that it reveals things that otherwise would not have been revealed. 
You know, during this last uh, 24 months in our nation, just politically, we uh, what has happened is God has shown, has like pulled the drapes and the covers back of those who are leading and is showing all the hideous, all the negative, all of the, the how deep it, what's called the swamp, how deep it really is. African-Americans, forgive me for saying, I, I, I hate to even say it, but just to identify, uh, African-Americans are having to rethink, rethink who they are. If you are a member of the body of Christ, then African-American is secondary. You can't afford to live your life blaming prejudice and racial with racism as the reason why you're not progressing. When the fear of God is in your heart, you realize that my destiny, my life is not controlled by the environment that I'm in. It's not controlled by the opinions of other men. It's not controlled about what other people think about me. It is controlled by Almighty God who can move anything he wants to move. When he opens a door, ain't nobody shut it. When he shuts a door, can't nobody open it. I said that a few Sundays ago. Some of you guys trying to tie you together in relationship with some folk who do not look like you. And if you say it ain't black enough for you, you know, you might need a dose of what we call the fear of the Lord. Because he says right here, check this out. He says, uh, yet once more and again, this removes the things which can be shaken. And it solidifies the things that remain. Verse 28. Can you find it? Check this out. Verse 28. Therefore, by the way, when you see a therefore, always ask the question, what's it there for? It's a good way to interpret the Bible. You go back and you read from chapter, from verse 1, you go, oh my God. You go back and you start in 12, 12, 1, you go, oh my God. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. So we need to lay aside every encumbrance and lay aside every sin which so easily entangles us. And let's run with endurance this race that is set before us. And fix our eyes on Jesus, who's the author and the, and the perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy set before him, he endured everything. It's amazing to me how many believers can't endure nothing. Your life starts falling apart. You can say, God has forsaken me. <laughs> By the time you get to the end of this chapter, it's like, oh my God. He says this. Check the last, last verse. That's where I started. He said, uh, he said, therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us, let us show gratitude. And the word there is grace. Let us receive grace. By which we may offer to God an acceptable service. We may worship him in reverence. And the word awe means godly fear.
Therefore, since we have received the kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably, acceptably with reverence. This whole word of, of uh, this, rever- this word reverence is to be in, in great awe of the one you serve. The one who knows what you're thinking before you think it. The one who causes every heartbeat, the one who, the one who causes every capillary, every cell, every system in your body to operate correctly. The one who keeps you from dying in your sleep. The one who kept you alive when you're three feet from death every day you drive down the freeway. You don't know what crazy is on the other side. <laughs> the one that keeps you from slipping in the bathtub and knocking your brains out. The one who kept you while you was while you was sucking while you were sucking on a blunt. He, he, he made sure there wasn't nothing in there that would take you out. I'm sorry. Did I miss it? Did I, did I, did I mess up? Did, The, the, the one who when you got mad with the circumstances, you just ran, you went on to the bar, just sat there, and, and, give me a double, give me another double, give me another double, give me the double, double, double. This reverential awe of God is the same, that, that same body of truth that talks about the fear of God. When you realize how God has intimately, God, God said, let me tell you how intimate I am with you. I have numbered all the hairs on your head that you have and the ones that you lost. I know you. I know you. He said, I know your thoughts from afar off. I know. There's such a gap between the almighty and the holy and a gap gap between that and who we are. And that gap, that gap that's between who he is and who you are. When God starts showing you how far that is. When, you, when the Lord shows you how, what, what holy is, when God gives you a, a revelation of what it means, when he talks about his holiness, his awesome glory, for you to experience that, immediately everything sinful in your life shows up. And you realize like everyone else who ever came into the manifest presence of God said, I, I am undone. I'm undone. God, and, and, I, and I'm, I'm, I'm convinced, sweetheart, that boy, I've been praying about this. I know the, there's a, there's a, a, uh, there is a company of prayer warriors that have been praying this way too for God to show up in our midst in such a way that you can't hardly stand it. This will be beyond vain repetition. This will be beyond our dances. This will be beyond our chord structure. This will be beyond our harmony. This will be beyond anything that we're doing up here. When God shows up in a way that, that, that is undeniable and you experience that presence and it shows, shines on you and you realize, 
who you are and who he is. I have, I've remembered, I have a memory, memory of people laying on their face before God because they don't have a choice. Because when God begins to reveal his glory, how powerful, how awesome, how holy he is, how perfect he is. Your imperfection, our unholiness is in full view. And when you get it, and you, you are undone. Then the cross means something. See, if you think more highly of yourself, then you understand who God is. Your cross is good enough for two inches to wear around your neck. Hang from, hang from your mirror in the car. But when God gives you that incredible gift of his fear, there's such a gap between you and God, you need a cross that's so big. You can't hardly fathom. Oh Lord, you would do that for me. And in broken contrition, he said, Lord, like all, all, of, all the saints who came into the presence of God, like they asked God, what do you want me to do? <laughs> what do you want me to do? You get captured. You have that kind of experience of the fear of the Lord, then you don't have to say anything to anybody. Everybody knows. Whoa, what, what happened to you? All of a sudden, your whole life gets evaluated under his presence. I asked the Lord, Lord, help me to talk about this in a way that God is able to show you in yourself how much you need it. Hey, you know, when the fear of God is on you that way, you don't have a problem reading the, reading the Bible. You don't have a problem. You don't even have a problem praying. When the fear of God's on you that way, you lose your fear of men. And you will do what God says no matter what he says and no matter what cost. Because you understand that what Jesus said, do not fear him who can destroy the body. Do not fear him who can kill the body, but fear him who can destroy, the, both kill the body and destroy the soul in hell. Oh my God. You can't really start living until you have that kind of fear. That kind of awesome respect for God. That experience changed you forever, forever. And when you walk with God for a while and you find yourself picking up the trash of the world on your, on your feet as you're walking in the world, and you, you, will, you will discover that I need, Lord, I need that. 
This is where the body of Christ is right now. Lord, we need you. We need you to help us to be unashamed of your absolutes. Truth is not negotiable. Truth is not relative. Truth is not about you. Well, this is my truth. Well, well, what the, <laughs> well that has nothing to do with God's truth. The fear of the Lord is in your life. It's a, it's a whole different ball game, saints. Now church isn't just a, a, a nice um, tradition that I, I have in my life. Worst thing in the world, say, you know, we talk about your relationship with God. What do people say? I go to church. What the heck is that? I really should say, what in the hell is that? Okay, we got to go home. Well, before we go home, we need to go before God. But check this out. So he said, look, uh, we have received a kingdom. We have received a kingdom which cannot be moved. It cannot be shaken. Have you? Have you received God's kingdom in your heart? Have you Have you gotten a hold of his righteousness, his peace, and his joy? In the Holy Ghost, as the old translation would say. We have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Everything else has fallen away. But what we've received of the Lord stabilizes us. Calms us. Whole heaven's shaken, earth shaken. But we are stable because of his peace. And we look a little crazy because of his joy. We're watching everything and we're having a good time. I used to have this reoccurring dream of a massive 200 foot wave coming, swallowing, coming over the city and there was nothing I could do. It used to frighten me. I'd come up out of my sleep and I, I, it, it, it would frighten me. I said, oh my God, this thing was coming to just, just drown out everything. And then later on in the dream, it was amazing what the Lord did to me. The wave was coming. I couldn't stop the wave, but the Lord gave me some scuba equipment. Shoot, I was stroking it. Come on, wave. <laughs> Fun. I was having so much fun. <laughs> Everybody's screaming, ah! and I'm just like, come on, wave. I just kind of feel like, and this, this used to happen in my youth, I kind of feel like after 75 years now, I kind of feel like that wave is formed. I feel like it's coming. I know it's coming. But the fear of the Lord is like having scuba gear. <laughs> this changes everything. I'm on scuba gear, and I'm on one, what's what's an instrument that's got a got a har, it's like a harpoon? Because I'm gonna get some folk for the I'm gonna get some folk for the kingdom of God. Amen. We have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken. Let us have grace. Grace is 
the empowering presence of God. Grace is the empowering presence. This is just a, a quick definition. Grace is not sloppy agape. Grace is not licensed to live like you want. Grace is not an excuse for your disobedience as it's being taught. But grace is God's empowering presence. You might want to write these words down. God, grace is God's empowering presence. Enabling me, grace is God's empowering presence. Enabling me to be who he created me to be. And to do what he's called me to do. Put me because it's talking about you. Grace is God's. Grace is God's. It's, it's his empowering presence. It empowers me. That's why we beheld his glory. Talking about Jesus. Full of grace and truth. That's why undeserved, undeserved uh, uh, favor. Is, it's more than that. Jesus always deserved the favor. But we beheld him as of the only begotten, full of grace and truth. That definition is God's empowering presence, enabling me to be who he's called me to be and enabling me to do what he's, enabling me to do what he's created me to be, enabling me to do what he's called me to do. Grace will solve the issue of your identity problem. Since we've received the kingdom, which cannot be shaken, let us receive grace. And, you know, with this grace, we're going to serve God with, with reverence and godly fear. You still with me? We're almost there. I want to serve him. Now, unfortunately, I want you to get this out of your mind. I've said it to you several times. Say it again. Please, I want to give you, I want to give you release today. I'm going to really give you release today. I give you release today. You never have to go to church another day in your life. It's people who go to church. That's the problem. I told you several times. Going to church is like when you watch the football game, you didn't pay your money. How much it costs for good seats now? 100 bucks? 200 Right, you don't pay 200 bucks and you come to see the game and you already got your popcorn, you got your hot dog and you're, you're sitting up there and, uh, and, 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 you, and you can't wait and, 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 and there's a kickoff bam, the kickoff and it's so exciting bam, he tackles the guy and the team gets into the huddle I need somebody, I need some men right quick quick, 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 we're almost done quick, help me form a huddle, they get in the huddle everybody's watching, they get in the huddle this is the old school, this is the old school huddle like this right here, this is the old school huddle how many of y'all old enough to remember when the whole huddle was like this? The new school huddle is they all line, they line up one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, right quick. One, two, three, then three in front of them. Uh, four, then three in front of them. Yeah. And they like this. This is the old, the new school huddle. Get ready right there. Okay. I see you ain't playing no ball. Go ahead. All right. All right, right. And then come close and then lean forward. Now, this is the new school huddle like this. Now, you done paid the 200 bucks. You can't wait. You paid your two hundred dollars. You got your, your box seat. You got your you got your ribs. 
<laughs> you watching the game, right? And 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 and, 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 and like this. And they stayed that way for the next two hours. Bam! Too much, too long in the huddle. How many of y'all going home? And you mad? You mad? You mad? Give me my money. Nobody in their right mind wants to look at a huddle. Now, huddle is important. I mean, it's crucial. All them hundreds of hours we've been practicing, we're not going to call a play. And everybody got to know what to do. So the huddle is important. But if you never break, when I say one, two, three, break, one, two, three, break. If you never get out that huddle and get in the line and the quarterback takes his place, if nobody snaps the ball, then who gives a flea flying flip? I want to ask you a question. If you go to church the rest of your day and you do absolutely nothing when you go home or you don't know what play, you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you call to do, then what, in, what is the purpose? That devil does not care that you go to church. When you get scared is when you, say, when you hear the word and you walk out of that building empowered with the word and now you go do what you know you were called to do. Oh, we got a problem now. Hell, we got a problem. I'm telling you, God's going to change. He's changing all of that. The fear of the Lord is not so much important in here as it is when you go out there in a world that hates your guts. When you go out into a, 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 a world that's hurting. And the call of God is on you. And the angels of God have been dispatched beside you. And the angels are not like thalidomide babies with little arms like that. Some of y'all angels, that's what they look like. They ain't doing nothing because you ain't giving them nothing to do. You don't pray. You ain't praying for nobody. You're not in anybody's life. You're not, God's not using you to change your culture, to change the neighborhood, to change where you work, to change your family. Who gives a rip if you sit in the, in the go to church every Sunday and none of these things change? God said the angels are, they, they, you know, I've, I've ordered them. I sent them to you so you can get done what I'm telling you to do. We're, we're here. Nobody cares. I'm going to tell you what. No, no, no assembly matters who's addicted to praise. It don't, it don't matter. We can give you the best dog and pony show. Remember that? We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Remember? And you walk out the door and you don't go live and do. Well, when the fear of God's on your life, ooh-wee. Okay. Okay, thanks guys. We're going to stand up in a second.
So the Bible says we have received a grace. Check it out. We've received a kingdom which can't be shaken. Let us have grace. This empowering presence in my life that I stand in awe of by which we may serve God. May serve God. May serve God. You, uh, tell your neighbor, you don't serve God by going to church. Tell your neighbor. That's not how you serve God. Nah. When we, growing up in the Baptist church, when I did, it, it called coming to church, serving the Lord. So you serve the Lord by going to church. Even though last night you was in the bar. Last night you was in the bed and you weren't alone. It's called serve God. You know, we serve God when you go in the choir. Serve the Lord, honey child. Say it, serve the Lord. Some of y'all come from that little background. You thought that's what serving God. Say it again. Oh, I didn't step this down and then come forward. <laughs> Nobody cares. You know what, folks in the world go online, turn the sound down, and have a laughing party. But they don't give a frit. They, they think it's the most hilarious thing in the world. And even though, even though the, the move of the Holy Spirit may be extremely significant to us, they, they just like... <laughs> But if you are empowered by the presence of God, enabling you to do what God has created you to do and be, be what God's created you to be and do what he's called you to do, oh, we, we got something. We got something happening. And let's serve him with reverence. He says, let us, he said, we've rec- we must receive grace where we can serve him with reverence and godly fear. Read the last verse. Read verse 29. Some of y'all might get straight with this verse. This might help you. Because, I, 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 you know, for some people, their God is, a, is their buddy. God, you're my buddy. God, you're my very best friend. Ooh-wee. Do you know who you're trifling with? Do you have any idea what it took for God to save you? Do you have an inkling of what God spent to draw you to himself? Bow your heads right there where you sit. I'm wanting the Lord to do something profound for you. I'm wanting me to put this in your heart in a way that it won't leave you alone. The Lord asked Israel, do you not fear me? Have mercy. With an outstretched hand and a powerful arm, I bought you out of bondage. brought you into this land and you still playing with other gods 
as my son just said the problem with Solomon he started sleeping with all the mother women from all the mother places and he started turning to their gods because you about hint hint who you lay down with you're going to take their god hello hello you hear what I said I'm asking, Father, in the name of Jesus, that you would seal something in their heart about this. That you would cause their eyes to be open to your word in a way that it has not been before. And that when, when every time the word fear or fear of or awesome fear or godly fear or fear of the Lord will come up, Lord, it would be a signal to them. I pray, Lord, that you would increase the hunger in our hearts to have your fear. We, we, we confess that fleshly fear, fear we, we shun, but godly fear we are drawn to. So precious, your treasure. I pray, Father, that they would receive grace. Grace to serve. Because we acknowledge that our God is a consuming fire. And Lord, we need that fire. We need that fire. Would you grant us, I pray, Heavenly Father, that your godly fire would burn in us past the shame of sin. That you would go way past that. Heal us. We thank you, Father. We praise you for this. We want you. We want you, Lord. We want you. And I'm praying right now for all of those who say, I need this in my life. I know I've been far from it, but I need this in my life. I need you, Father, this way. I need this revelation of yourself in my, in my life. I want this. I'm so tired of a powerless life. A life that's not even effective. A life full of wanting, of things that will pass away. Father, feed the hunger deeper inside that wants you. Fill that space reserved for you. I'm asking it, Father, in Jesus' name. Deliver us from shame. Empower us and bring us in the open. Make us like the stars at night. The darker the culture, the more we shine. I praise you for it, Lord, for every person who wants that, they want that in their life. Grant it, we pray in Jesus' name. Those of you that say, said to me or what's, are saying in your heart, I, Bishop, ooh, I can't believe you preaching this. I want this. Those of you that want this, you, you realize how much you lack it and you want it. I want you to come quickly. Just don't spend a lot of time. We're not going to spend a lot of time. We're just going to make an authoritative move over your life. Would you come and, and just stand here in this altar?